Thank you. How is everyone? All right. Are you guys ready to grow and willing to change? Awesome. I know you are. If you came out in this, you are most definitely ready to get wet. Well, thanks uh, for being here this morning. I really appreciate it. I was away last week. Um, I was speaking at a conference in St. Louis at uh, Church Darden Prairie Bible Church. Um, and I, first of all, let me thank everyone who kind of filled in for me while I was away. I really appreciate that. It's, uh, I was telling Laura this week, it's such a blessing to be able to go away and uh, just know everything's just going to be fine. I mean, that's totally cool. I was at peace with that. My phone, cell phone didn't ring early Sunday morning, which was always good. And uh, this church that I spoke at is interesting. Um, I was 22 years old. I was just out of college. And um, my pastor had asked me, along with several other guys, to go over and begin teaching that Bible study in St. Louis. So I lived in Kansas City, which is about three, three and a half hour drive across the state to St. Louis. And so we would drive over there Friday night uh, or Saturday morning, and we would teach a Bible study on Saturday afternoon, and then we'd, we'd drive back to Kansas City. And interestingly enough, uh, the church that I just spoke in grew out of that Bible study, and so it was such a blessing to go back and be able to, to minister to them and, and see a lot of old friends again that I hadn't seen in many, many years. And so that's where I was, but I'm happy to be back here in Princeton. We're, we're in week four of a series that we are calling, Are You Ready? And we've said all along that uh, there are certain things in life that we can prepare for. We can be better prepared. We can be spiritual Boy Scouts or Girl Scouts. We can be prepared no matter what comes our way. And ultimately, we want to be prepared to stand before our Lord and Savior Jesus whenever our time comes. Whether we live a full life or He comes back before we get to that age, we want to be able to stand before Him and uh, hear Him say, well done, you did a good job. And so we can prepare for that day of our life. And this series hopefully is dealing with certain issues, certain topics that are going to not only help us to live a better life and be prepared for whatever we're going to face, but ultimately is going to help us be better prepared to stand before him one day. And so we've talked about temptation. We've talked about, uh, last week, Brendan uh, talked about healing. We talked about being ready to hear from God when he speaks. And this week we're going to talk about, are you ready to go deeper? Whenever we're talking about a person or a thing and we say they are shallow, that's genuinely not a compliment, right? <laughs> we say, man, they're really shallow. I mean, they're superficial, right? Or they're, they're concerned about things that aren't very meaningful. But if we say someone or something is deep, that's generally a compliment. Man, that's deep. Wow, they're a deep individual. So that's generally a compliment when we talk about uh, that type of a thing in our life. I got to say this, and maybe you're with me on this. I desire for my relationship with Jesus to be deep. I mean, I want people to look at me in my life and go, wow, they're deep. And not because I'm anything special, but because there's such a relationship there that it's not, they don't look at me and go, wow, they're really shallow in their, their Christian faith. They're very superficial in their relationship with Jesus. I want to have that deep relationship with him. Here's what I've found. Oftentimes in Christianity, we equate depth with information. If I know a lot of stuff, 
about Jesus or about the Bible, then it's deep. Or we equate it with uh, the deeper topics of Scripture, maybe the prophecies with regards to the end times or things like that, and we say, wow, that's, that's the deep stuff. That's the meat of Scripture. But that's never the case. Here, here's what I found depth in my relationship with God is. Depth, my depth of relationship with God is contingent upon the height of my obedience to his word. That's the, that's, what I, that's the sentence I want you to get this morning. The depth of my relationship with God is contingent upon the height of my obedience to his word. In other words, the more obedient I am to his word, the deeper my relationship is going to be with him. Now, I, I, I learned this principle at an early age, fourth, fifth grade. Didn't know I was learning it at the time, but I did learn this principle. I was playing football, Pop Warner, you guys, I'm sure many of the guys in here maybe played Pop Warner football, and I was the quarterback. Everybody say, ah, yeah, thank you. So I was the quarterback on, on the team, and uh, it, it was kind of cool because you'd huddle up with all the teammates, and at that age, the coach is in the huddle with you, and he's calling the plays, right? I wasn't like Peyton Manning. I'm not calling my own plays in the huddle. The coach is there. He calls the play, and at that age, uh, the, the playbook isn't that extensive, right? It's not the Patriots playbook. It's, it's you know, sweep right, sweep left, quarterback sneak. Pretty much it at, at that age. And so we're in the huddle, and coach calls sweep left, which means me as the quarterback, I'm going to take the snap from the center, and I'm going to run which way, ladies? Yes, yes, I'm going to run left. That's what that means. And so here's the problem, though. As we came out of the huddle, sweep left, I'm thinking. And I look over there, and playing cornerback, cornerback for the opposing team is Matt Martin. Now, Matt Martin is the fastest kid in fifth grade. And probably the best athlete, great football player. But on the right side, playing right cornerback, is Mac Crowley. Are you impressed I still remember these names? Mac Crowley. I didn't make them up. These are actual people. And I'm thinking, I can beat Mac Crowley. I'm not so sure I can beat Matt Martin. Coach doesn't know Matt like I know Matt. He doesn't know Mac like I know Mac. He doesn't know what he's talking about when he wants to go sweep left. So I take the snap from center, and which way do I go? Right, exactly. little misdirection. Everybody else goes left on my team. I go right. Matt Crowley comes up. It was flag football. Pulls my flag. I didn't, no gain. In fact, it probably stopped me in the backfield. So I'm thinking, okay. I go back to the huddle. Coach is kind of looking at me. Got that look like, kid doesn't know his left from his right. <laughs> right? Just an honest mistake. I said left. He thought that was his left. So he's doubting my intelligence at this point. Get back in the huddle. We're all huddled up there. Coach calls, sweep left. He looks at me, left, <laughs> left, sweep left. I come to the line. I see, ooh, Matt Martin, fastest kid in the school. Matt Crowley. I can take him. I know I can. Ready, set, hut. Which way do I go? I know I go right again. Everybody else goes left. I go right. Matt Crowley comes up, boop, pulls off my flag. Coach at this point realizes I'm not that dumb. I'm just stubborn and disobedient. 
And so I immediately found my rear end planted on the bench. And I walk over and I throw my helmet down and I sit down and I'm starting to cry and I'm looking out at the field. They're huddled up. Don't know what play they call. They come out of the huddle. Guy who replaced me. Guess what play it was? Sweep left. This time he goes left. Guess what he does? Scores a touchdown. I learned my lesson. See, I didn't think the coach knew what he was talking about. Certainly he doesn't want me to go sweep left when Matt Martin is there. I can beat Matt Crowley. We should be going sweep right, not sweep left. But as I watched my replacement score a touchdown after following the play called by the coach, I was more in awe of my coach at that point. I'm going, wow, he's not as dumb as he looks. He's a lot smarter than I think he is. And I tell you what, we had a little talk after the game, which I needed. But I never again questioned one of his play calls. When he said sweep left, I went left. When he said sweep right, I went right. When he said quarterback sneak, I quarterback sneaked. At that early age, I was learning a principle that I think you and I need to understand today. I tell you that little story as an introduction to a story about Jesus and his disciples that we're going to look at today in Luke chapter 5. So if you've got a Bible, go ahead and open to Luke 5. If not, we'll put it right up there on the screen. In Luke chapter 5. And let's start reading in verse 1. This is really early in Jesus' ministry. He hasn't really even uh, gathered his 12 disciples at this point. This is one of his first encounters with them. In verse 1 it says, And it came to pass that as the people pressed upon him to hear the word of God, he stood by the lake of Gennesaret and saw two ships standing by the lake. But the fishermen were gone out of them and were washing their nets. And he entered into one of the ships, which was Simon's, that's Peter, by the way, and prayed him that he would thrust out a little from the land. And he sat down and taught the people out of the ship. So Jesus is there. He's by uh, the lake Gennesaret. And there's a, there's a huge crowd of people, and he's filling the press a little bit. You know, he's, they're kind of backing him into the water. And so he says, here's an idea. I'll just sit in the boat, have Peter sit offshore just a little bit, and I'll teach from the boat. The people can sit there on the land. And so everyone's there who, who wanted to hear Jesus' words could hear them. Now, pay attention to where he is. He's in the shallow water, isn't he? He just thrust out a little bit from the shore. So the water where he's sitting and teaching everyone is the shallow water. Now here, let's draw a spiritual parallel. You and I have an opportunity to sit and listen to Jesus' words. Maybe you hear it in a message, but ultimately it comes from the Bible. And we have an opportunity to hear that. Anybody who wants to hear that can hear that. But what I found is that most people in their Christian life desire to stay in that shallow water. They don't ever want to move beyond that depth. And so they remain in that superficial area in terms of their relationship with Jesus Christ. But I believe that God desires so much more of us. So let's keep reading. Let's see what happens. 
he finishes teaching, and it says, And now when he had left speaking, he said unto Simon, unto Peter, Launch out into the deep. And let down your nets for a draught. In other words, uh, cast your nets and see if you can get a, uh, uh, a group of, of fish. And Simon answering said unto him, Master, we have toiled all the night and have taken nothing. Nevertheless, at thy word, I will let down the net. Peter is asked by Jesus to go deeper. He says, I want you to push out from the shallow water and I want you to move out into the deep Water Again, let's draw this parallel between our spiritual life and what Peter's being asked to do. I think Jesus wants us to move deeper in our relationship with him. Now, what Peter's asked to do is really counterintuitive. It's sweep left versus sweep right. Because we read the passage. Peter's attitude is apparent. They were out fishing all night long and they didn't catch a thing and now it's daytime i don't know how long jesus was teaching but most likely it's toward midday that's not the best fishing time peter would have known this he's undoubtedly tired he's frustrated because they they didn't catch anything i got god gave me a very personal example of this just last night I'm up all night, man, sucking water out of my basement. And Carrie's trying to help, bless her heart. And let's just say I wasn't the most pleasant individual in the world. I said, cut me some slack, woman. It's 2.30 in the morning, all right? And I thought, as I, after I said it, I thought, man, Peter wasn't as bad as we make him out to be. He's doing pretty good. He's there in the boat. He hasn't slept all night. And here's Jesus, a carpenter, telling him how to catch fish. Pro-fisherman. Can you imagine how frustrating that must have been? Counterintuitive for him. He's thinking, that's the stupidest thing I have ever heard. But his response is good, isn't it? He knows clearly what to do. The issue isn't, what do you want me to do? Because he says, I want you to launch out into the deep and let down your net. So there's no doubt about what God desires for him to do. The issue is, will he do it? That's the issue. And I think the same is true in our life. Oftentimes in our life, when God is desiring for us, trying to get us to go deeper in our walk with him, he may ask us to do something that's counterintuitive to us. Something from his word will jump off the page at us and we'll go, I don't think that's necessarily right. I don't know about that. Or maybe it pushes us beyond our comfort zone. It's trying to stretch us a little bit. And so our tendency is to resist that. There's no doubt about what God wants us to do. There's no question about that. It's not an issue where we're sitting there pondering, what does he want me to do? Uh, does he? No, it's very clear, but it seems contrary to what we think is the right thing. I mean, how often in our life, maybe you're sitting here this morning, you're thinking, Jesus, man, what does is, what is a guy that lived a couple thousand years ago know about doing life in 2010? Please. What, is he, what does a book that was written so many thousands of years ago have to do with me here today with all 
the advancements that we have. I mean, we could fly around the world if we want to. We can chat with people online on the other side of the globe. What, what could that Bible or, or this man, Jesus, what could he possibly know about my situation? Please know this. Advancements in technology never change human nature. And so the things that were true 2,000 years ago or 4,000 years ago are still true today about mankind. We like to pretend that we're more evolved because we have more stuff and we can do more things. But when it comes right down to it, we're the same people. We deal with the same issues. They may take a little different form, but we deal with the same kinds of things. Peter knew what Jesus wanted him to do. The issue was, will he do it? Will he do it? And the issue is the same for us. We know what to do. Will we do it? Let's keep reading. Verse 6. And when they had, done, uh, had this done, they enclosed a great multitude of fishes. I know, it's old English, okay? I know it's plural for fish, okay? And, and, they, and their net break. So Peter, even though it was contrary to what he thought the right thing to do was, decides to do it. He takes action based upon what Jesus tells him to do. He says, nevertheless, you know, we've been fishing all night, we didn't catch a thing, but if you say so, we'll do it. And so he takes action, he does it, there's follow-through in his life. And here's, here's our key point, remember, is depth is linked to obedience. The depth of my relationship with Jesus is tied to the height of my obedience to his word. And so Peter does what Jesus asks him to do. He's obedient to that. And he goes deeper. And something amazing happens in his life. And the same is true of us. When we know clearly what to do, and we decide to do it, something unbelievable takes place in our life. The depth of our relationship with Jesus is linked to the height of my obedience to his word. A couple of uh, chapters later in the book of Luke, maybe you read this this week if you're reading along with us during this Lenten period. In Luke 6.46, Jesus, I think, says one of the most convicting things in, in, in the scripture. He says, Why call you me Lord, Lord, and do not the things that I say? Ouch. Why do you call me Lord and then not do the things that I ask you to do. He says, I don't want the lip service. I want the obedience. And so if we're going to say, you are Lord of my life, you are my God, you are my King, then doesn't it make sense that we would do the things that he asks us to do? Jesus says, why, why are you saying I'm Lord if you're not going to do what I ask you to do? Let's keep reading. Verse 7. So they enclose this great multitude of fish. Their net begins to break. And they beckon unto their partners, which were in the other ship, that they should come and help them. And they came and filled both the ships so that they began to sink. Here's Peter's abundance. He acted upon God's word. And now he's experiencing God's abundance. We long for this thing that Jesus calls the abundant life in John 10. He says, I came to give them life and that they might have it more abundantly. 
He wants to bless us beyond our imagination. And we desire that. We want that. We want to live that abundant life. We desire to have that deep Christian life. But please don't miss this. That abundant life is directly tied to your obedience to his word. Peter never would have experienced what he did had he said, you know what, get out of my boat. Go build something. I'm not casting out. I've been out all night. We didn't catch a thing. Get out of here. If he'd experienced that, if he'd have done that, he never would have had the abundant call that he did. And too often in our life, when we, sad to say, respond that way to God, when he says, clearly do something, and we go, you know what? I don't think so. I'm not interested. We miss out on that abundance. We miss out on that blessing. Did you notice that they enclosed so many fish that it almost began to sink two boats? Amazing. A miracle, really. And I think that God desires to bless us in that way when we're obedient to his word. I think God desires to bless us in that same way. It's almost overwhelming. I mean, it's, it's an amazing thing. In Ephesians chapter 3 and verse 20, the Bible says this. Now unto him, speaking about God, now unto him that is able to do exceeding, abundantly, above all, that we ask or think according to the power that worketh in us. I love that verse. I don't believe it the way I should, but I really love it. Did you notice all those descriptors? He's, he's, able, to, he's able to do, he's able to, to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or can think, that we can imagine if we'll allow him to. It's an amazing thing. Verse 8 says, When Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees, saying, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. For he was astonished. And all that were with him at the draught of the fish which they had taken. Here's Peter's astonishment. He's floored. You see, true depth results in humility. Peter went from being slightly arrogant to astonished at Jesus. He is blown away. He is humbled by what just happened. A lot of times what we call depth results in pride. But true depth. True depth in our relationship with Jesus results in tremendous humility in our life. He says, depart from me because I'm a sinful man. His view of himself went down. His view of Jesus went through the roof. And when we get to know him and we go deep with him and he comes through for us, we go contrary to what we think is right and we follow obediently what he is asking us to do. That results in you and I having a different opinion of Jesus. Because he comes through for us in a major way and blesses us unbelievably. In verse 10 it says, 
And so also James and John, the son of Zebedee, which were partners with Simon. And Jesus said unto him, Simon, fear not. From henceforth thou shalt catch men. And when they had brought their ships to land, they forsook all and followed him. Now, I don't, I don't think it's any coincidence that Peter, James, and John are all three at this event. Now, those, if, if you know Scripture, you know this, that Jesus had 12 disciples, but he also had a group that is commonly called the inner three, and that's Peter, James, and John. Those were the guys that were privy to more things than, than the 12. He would oftentimes take them apart, talk with them about things that he didn't share with the rest of the group. And I don't think it's any coincidence that those three guys are here when this happens. Notice that it says here that when they came to shore, that they forsook all and followed him. They serve him with abandonment. Something must have been holding them back before. They must have been clinging to something in their life, something that they weren't willing to let go of. There must have been some fear in their life that caused them not to follow him with abandon. But after this event, that all changes. They forsake everything and follow him with abandonment. Notice what he says here. He says, from henceforth thou shalt catch men. And you're going to be fishers of men. You're going to catch men. As some of you ladies lie first. I will catch... No, I'm just kidding. He said... <laughs> In the back, I'm getting a big response. (laughs) He says, you're going to be fishers of men. Now, don't miss that. He's saying, look, you guys were professional fishermen, but from now on, you're going to influence people. You're going to change lives. You're going to catch men for the kingdom of God. He gives them a new purpose in life, doesn't he? Don't miss that. Don't miss it. When did that new purpose come? when they were obedient to what he asked them to do. Once they were obedient, go out into the deep and cast your nets. Once they were obedient to what they knew they were supposed to do, Jesus reveals to them a new calling, a new purpose. Here's what I do, and I'm sure many of you can relate to this. Sometimes I get so focused on what I'm not certain about. What does God want me to do? What is God's purpose for my life? What is God's, we say, will for my life? And we get all caught up in that. What, what, do I, what should I do? What, should I, what does he want me to do? Where, that I forget to pay attention and be obedient to the things that I know that I'm supposed to be doing. If we would spend our time and energy focusing on the things that we know Jesus wants us to do, maybe then he would show us that thing that's maybe a little beyond our vision for our life. Be obedient in that thing that you know God is asking you to do. Focus there. Focus on that next step that he wants you to take. And then, maybe then, he'll reveal to you what he desires for you to do with your life. There's no doubt in my mind that this event profoundly impacted these three guys. In fact, I think it was one of those benchmark events in their life. One of those events that they would constantly look back on and go, yeah, remember when? 
Remember when Jesus did that? Maybe you have an event like that in your life that you look back and go, man, remember when God did that in my life? When I trusted him and he came through in a big way? And you always kind of look back to that. You see that in the nation of Israel in the Old Testament. When God would come through in a, in a big way in their life, they would always erect these pillars or these, these uh, altars to God. Why? Because they didn't want to forget what God did. It wasn't a pagan thing. It was a, a reminder because the tendency in all of us is to forget. This was one of those altar events in their life. In fact, so much so that I think Jesus, after his resurrection, comes back to this event in their life because they'd forgotten in John 21. This is post-resurrection. Check this out. Verse 3, John 21, 3. Simon Peter saith unto them, he's talking to the rest of the disciples, I go fishing. I'm going fishing. I'll say it with a little attitude. Where's he going? He's going back to his old life, isn't he? He's, he just gave three years of his life to this guy, and now he's dead. I'm going fishing. I'm going back to what I used to do. They said unto him, we also go with thee. He's an influencer of people. They went forth and entered into a ship immediately. And that night they caught nothing. Sound familiar? But when the morning was now come, Jesus stood on the shore. But the disciples knew not that it was Jesus. Then Jesus saith unto them, Children, have, have you meat? And they answered, No. In other words, did you catch anything? Nope, didn't catch a thing. And he said unto them, Cast the net on the right side of the ship, and ye shall find. They cast, therefore, and now they were not able to draw it for the multitude of fishes. Check out the response now. Therefore, that disciple whom Jesus loved, that's John, saith unto Peter, It is the Lord. See that? He brings them back to this event in their life. They'd forgotten. And Jesus says, I want you to remember back to when we first met. And you were obedient to something that I asked you to do. And I gave you a new calling in life to be a fisher of men. You need to remember that. Because I am who I said I, I was. And that calling is still valid in your life. But it all began, this depth of relationship that they had with Jesus started with them being obedient to the clear direction of Jesus in their life. And so too with us, depth results from obedience. If I want to go deep with Jesus... I've got to be obedient to the things that he's clearly asking me to do. It may seem counterintuitive. It may stretch me, move me beyond my comfort zone. But there's no mistaking it. It's clear from his word what he wants me to do. So the issue is, will I do it? Not what is it, but will I do it? That's the issue that's before us. Will I do it? And so my challenge for you this morning is what is God asking you to do? What is God asking you to do? 
That, that's a question that's answered differently by every person in this room. Because everybody's at a different place in their walk with Jesus. We're at a different place in our spiritual journey. And so your next step of obedience is different from mine. But we all have a next step. We have that thing that God's asking us to do. There's no doubt about it. It's clear from his word that this is what he desires for me to do. If I want to go deep, if I want to experience the abundant life, if I want to be blessed beyond what I could ever possibly imagine, I have to be obedient to that thing that's before me. Jesus is saying, sweep left. But oftentimes we go, I'm going right. But we need to pay attention to the coach, so to speak. Because he knows how to do life better than we do. So the question before us is this, and it's one you can take with you today. What is God asking you to do? For some of you, it's taking that step of salvation. Some of you, it's following Jesus in baptism. Some of you, it's making a commitment to spend daily time reading and praying and meditating on Scripture. Maybe it's an issue of giving with you where you're going to begin to give on a regular basis. Maybe it's using your giftedness in some area of ministry. Maybe it's getting involved. Maybe it's becoming a member of the church. Whatever. Whatever is before you. What is that thing that he's asking you to do? It's important. Why? Because what's at stake is the depth of your relationship with him. Let's pray. Father, we love you. We thank you and praise you for the Lord Jesus. And Father, this morning, we ask that you would place upon our heart whatever it is you desire for us to do. You know every circumstance, every situation, every heart in this room. And we pray this morning that you would just be at work in a mighty, mighty way. Help us, Father, to move past the fear, to get past the the thoughts that may lead us to go the wrong direction. And help us, Father, to obediently follow your word. Lord, we thank you for this story and for the work that you're doing in our hearts even now. We ask all this in Jesus' name.